And those words are immediately and wind. So before we read, let's pray. Gracious God, we thank you for this word. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your spirit, which moves to speak to us through your word. And just as the spirit moved and hovered over the waters in the beginning, and the voice, the word, spoke out over those waters, just as that same voice spoke out over the waters to Peter and said, Come. Our prayer is that as the voice of the Lord goes out through your word, that the Spirit would be moving to bring about life. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against them, against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink, call, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? When they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. When those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. When they crossed over, they landed at Gennesaret. When the men of that place recognized Jesus, they sent word to all the surrounding country. People brought all their sick to him and begged him to let the sick just touch the edge of his cloak, and all who touched it were healed. This is the word of the Lord. <clears throat> the first thread that we want to pull on together is why the different response to Jesus this time on the Sea of Galilee. And so if you have a Bible, I would encourage you to put your finger in it and flip back to chapter 8, verse 23, Matthew chapter 8, verse 23. There we see Jesus get into the boat and his disciples with him, and a storm whips up, and Jesus is asleep, and the disciples come to Jesus and say, aren't you worried we are going to drown? And so Jesus gets up, he speaks calm to the wind, and the storm immediately stops. And then the response of the disciples is this. What kind of person, what kind of man is this? And yet in this example, in this story, 
The response of the disciples is not to say, what kind of person is this? Who is this among us? What kind of man is this? But they throw themselves down at the feet of Jesus in the boat, and they worship him, saying, truly you are the Son of God. Now this, of course, is the response that Jesus is looking for, but what is different about this episode? In the first episode, we have a storm. In the second episode, we have a storm. We have wind and waves. In the first episode, Jesus calms the storm. In the second episode, when they get in the boat, immediately things are calm. In the first episode, the disciples call out, we're going to drown. And in the second episode, Peter calls out, I'm going to drown. And everybody's saved. It seems that the only difference is that in this episode, Jesus walks on water. Now, in many ways, we would say, of course, that this is a pretty spectacular thing. After all, who can walk on water? And yet, the disciples, knowing their Hebrew Bible is a little bit better than us, know that the person in the Old Testament, the person in the Hebrew Scriptures who walks on water is only God himself. In the Exodus, the people walk through the water. In Isaiah, the prophet says, when you pass through the waters, when you go through the waters, when the Israelites get to the Jordan River, they, the priests touch the Jordan River with the ark on their shoulders, and they walk through the water. When the people of God meet water, they don't walk over it, they pass through it. And yet here is someone who is catching up with the disciples by walking on the water. And not only that, but the voice of God goes out over the waters. In Psalm 29, verse 1, the psalmist declares, the voice of the Lord is over the waters. And so as the disciples are in the boat and they are unsure of who this person walking across the waters is, they either see him by moonlight or starlight or they see him by the reflection of the lantern in their boat. They call out in fear and the voice of the Lord goes out to them over the waters. It is as if Jesus is sign, seal, and delivering that he is exactly who they are thinking he is. He alone is God. And so Peter, Peter does the unthinkable. And he says, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. I have a lot of questions. And they aren't necessarily asked, answered very well in the text. And we could spend a lot of time looking at the, the Greek here. Because the Greek in the next verse says, Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. And when you and I read that in English, 
We hear when Peter got down out of the boat, his feet are on water. And when we read walked on water, we think walked on water, right? That this is happening in uh, like a sequential order. But the Greek here is a little more fuzzy in the sense that we're told that Peter gets down out of the boat, but just how far he gets, we're not really told. But nevertheless, Peter is on his way toward Jesus. And one of the questions I have is, what causes Peter to do this? As a fisherman, has he always wondered what it would be like? Has this always been a dream of his? We know that Peter is a bit uh, hot-headed, that he is highly reactive. Maybe he gets sick of the slow process of pulling the boat in and it would be a whole lot easier being close to shore if he could just sort of hop out over the edge and kind of walk the rest of the way. Perhaps Peter is somebody who gets sick of wet socks and the bottom of his robe and he's just, he hates that process. It's so annoying. He gets the chafing around the knees and, and so maybe he's just, he's always wanted to do this. And the beauty of this passage is we're not really told whether or not this is a commendable thing. Right? Matthew doesn't hint at the fact that Jesus is like, oh, Peter, so good. Because in a few chapters, when Peter says, you, Jesus, are the Messiah, Jesus says, blessed are you, Peter. Right? He, he says, Peter, great job. He claps him on the back. He says, high five, fist bump, the whole nine yards, secret handshake, everything. But there's no hint of that in this text other than the come, which is an invitation that we've heard repeatedly, right? Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. Come to me and receive rest. Come to me and eat of the food that I have broken, that I have blessed, and that I'm passing out in baskets. Come. And so Peter gets out. And in verse 30, he sees the wind, which is a fascinating turn of phrase. Because we can't see the wind. Now, in your mind and in my mind when we're reading this, right, we take the Bible and we say, well, maybe, maybe what Matthew really meant to say is when he saw the effects of the wind. That makes more sense. Or maybe what it really means is when he heard the wind or felt the wind. Right? That's how your and my brains work. When we see something that doesn't necessarily make a lot of sense, we try to smooth it over. We maybe correct the grammar or we maybe correct the story because we need this to make sense to us. And yet we are cautioned by those who read through texts to be careful to do that. 
And that if our intention or our desire is to smooth things out, we are better off letting it be challenging. When Peter saw the wind, and the wind, as we know, has blown up. It's caused the storm. It's, it's against the ship in verse 24. The wind is whipping up. And Peter begins to be afraid. And it's at this moment that he begins to sink and he cries out. And so the wind is against the boat and the wind is against Peter. And there's something in here that I don't want to lean too heavily on. But to see the wind is to see something difficult that may not really be there. It doesn't say that Peter becomes afraid when he sees the four-foot wave swell up. It doesn't say that Peter becomes afraid when he can no longer see the boat and he has let go of the side. It doesn't say any of those. It says that when Peter saw something that you can't see, which is how most of us find ourselves our most afraid. We take our situation and the news that we've heard or the thing that we've heard and we begin to play out all of the scenarios and we begin to see the things that aren't there, that we haven't met yet. We hear all of the things that people are going to say in response to what we're going to say. And it holds us back, right? We, we finally come up with the gumption to, to confront someone or to say something or to ask for forgiveness. Or we've finally come up with a gumption to, to tackle something that we know we need to take care of, a sin in our life, and, and confront it head on. And in the moment of truth, we, like Peter, step out in faith, and then we see all of the things that we can't actually see. And we begin to sink. Immediately, Jesus reaches out. And you and I, in a text like this, are left to wonder if, if Peter is commendable and correctable. And are we to be like Peter? Well, there was a popular book, of course, a, a couple of years ago that if you want to walk on water, you've got to get out of the boat. And the, the message, of course, is if you, if you want to follow Jesus, you've got to be courageous and step out in faith. And for some of us, when we read that boat, we're a little less adventurous. 
When we go to a big gathering, we would prefer to stay in the corner. When people are doing the uh, mountain coaster or uh, they're going to be jumping off the 25-foot dock or they're going to go zip lining or they're going to be uh, trying uh, chocolate-covered crickets or whatever the adventure might be, our place is not, oh yeah, absolutely, tell me to come. We're, you go ahead. Is the, is the message of this text that we are to be like Peter and jump out of the boat and at least try? Well, Peter doesn't, or Jesus doesn't commend Peter for trying, which my parental instinct kicks in and says, well, that's a little harsh, Jesus. I mean, Peter is the only one who got out of the boat, the only one who put his feet on the water, and your immediate response is to catch his hand and say, You had too little faith. Why are you afraid? Right, when my child swings the bat and strikes out, I say, good try. When my child gets on the bike and falls over, I say, good try. When my child tries spinach, I say, good try. And yet Jesus doesn't seem to be having any of that. I don't know about you, but that makes me a little uncomfortable. I would like Jesus to say to me as a disciple, great try. But neither does he commend the disciples for staying in the boat. He does not say to them, Good job being smart and keeping your feet firmly on the ground. And you and I are sort of left in this ambiguous space of what it means to to follow Jesus. Except for one thing. That word, immediately. If you've been reading through Matthew closely, you'd note that, we would note that uh, the word immediately is not a word that Matthew uses a whole lot. If we were to turn to the Gospel of Mark, he uses it all the time. Immediately Jesus got in the boat. Immediately Jesus walked down the street. Immediately Jesus told them this parable. Immediately Jesus did this. Immediately Jesus said that. Immediately is all over the place. But in Matthew, immediately hardly ever shows up at all. Instead, we have this very deliberate picture of Jesus who is always not necessarily cautious, but very thoughtful. He sends his disciples out so he can dismiss the crowd and take his time. He goes to his hometown, they don't respond, and so he, he says, no prophet is, prophet is welcome, and so I'll go somewhere else. Jesus is always very deliberate, and yet in this text, in the moments of greatest fear, verse 26, the disciples see Jesus, they are terrified, it's a ghost, they cry out in fear, immediately Jesus says, don't be afraid. It's me. 
Peter is afraid. He begins to sink. He cries out, Lord, save me immediately. Jesus reaches out his hand. Which is to say that the God who walks on water and the God whose voice goes out over the water is not waiting for us as disciples saying, I told you so. Or, you shouldn't have tried in the first place and so I'm going to let you struggle for a little while and feel what it's like to drown. Well, the God who walks on water and the God whose voice roars out over the waters immediately reaches out, immediately speaks. Now, as we noted with the kids, the darkness does not immediately go away. The wind doesn't stop until after Jesus gets in the boat. Which again is sort of a strange phenomenon that Jesus would continue to allow the disciples to struggle against the wind and let Peter try to get his footing back on the water in the midst of the wind. But the passage is less about Peter's faith or unfaith and much more about Jesus' ability to save. And Jesus' responsive time, which is immediate. The shepherd that you and I are called to follow makes evident to us that he is God. And whether we are stepping out in extreme faith to follow when he says, come, or whether we are staying in the boat to wait a little while longer, he is there immediately saying, take courage. I have overcome the world. It's me. Let's pray. This section in Matthew is uh, encouraging us to consider our faith, whether it's the parable of the sower and good soil, whether it's being the hometown of Jesus and thinking we are too familiar or whether or not we will step out in faith and allow the things we cannot see stop us. May we remember, may we remember that you are God and that the voice of the Lord roars out over the waters and is there immediately to save us. God, may we be able to step out in faith in our places of work, 
May we be able to step out in faith in our places of vacation. May we be able to step out in faith in our conversations, in our confrontations with sin. As we listen to your voice and as we trust it in faith, hold us fast, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.